there's all of this talk around, okay, what am I quote unquote worth, right? Coming back to that imposter syndrome question. Unfortunately, there are a lot of thought leaders out there and I, I people may at me for this, um, but there are a lot of thought <laughs> leaders out there who they're not encouraging people to do the practical exercises that we've talked about. And then on top of that, charging what they're worth, they're, the subtext of that is charge really high. That is not always appropriate. So that's why this third part of the pricing pillar is about being honest with yourself about what your experience is. You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knavel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Today's episode is sponsored by Amy from Rebel Nutrition. You can catch her in episode 104. She's the creator of Online Course Academy and is hosting a free masterclass that teaches how to create a profitable online course that brings in 5K a month, even if you're starting from zero. I've been watching Amy for years now. She's had the opportunity to throw out many courses out there, but the one that seems to be the mainstay that's there all the time that I've seen her do really well with is her online course academy. I've known several people to go through this course and I've watched them just soar with success. So we're super excited to dive into it ourselves and I hope that if you guys are interested in making your own course and learning how to get it out to your audience and build as you go too, this is a great way to start. In this training, you'll learn the number one reason most online courses fail. It has nothing to do with the size of your Instagram following, how to make a 5K month or more from your online course, and a precise calculation for how big your audience needs to be. Also, how to grow your audience while simultaneously building your course. And also, why you don't need to be an expert before selling it. This also gives you a good insight on how to sell your course online and how to generate buzz and excitement around your course topic to get as many students enrolled as possible without paying for ads. Most people have concerns about creating their own online course, like what would I even create an online course about? How do I build an audience and who wants to even buy my course? Why would anyone listen to me when there are so many experts out there? How would I launch or even market this to a tiny audience? Would anyone even buy? What about all the tech stuff? Videos, worksheets, audio lessons? Oh, the overwhelm. And what about the logistics? Coming up with content, deciding which information to share, and can courses really create enough income for me to live off of? You know, OCA will walk you through every single one of these fears step-by-step step using video, audio, and done-for-you email scripts, and even design templates to make your slides and other supplemental course materials to make sure your students get results. If you want to join, text online course academy, one word, no spaces, to 44222. Again, text online course academy, one word, no spaces, to 44222 where you'll receive a link to join the free training. We'll also link to the sign-up page in the show notes. 
Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am so excited. We are bringing on Shay Keats again to the podcast this week. She was on the podcast recently on episode 101 on how to level up your business with the help of a strategic coach. I highly recommend checking out episode 101 if you haven't yet. And this week on um, the podcast, we are talking about pricing your services as an entrepreneur uh, or pricing your projects as an entrepreneur. And this is something I know many of you in the business space struggle with. It's something I really struggled with when I launched my clinical nutrition practice years ago. And it's something that we get a lot of questions about when it comes to business on the podcast. And so we did a little, a couple um, episode arc on lessons from our service-based business. And we got several listener questions on how to price our services. And so this is our follow-up. We're really excited to bring Shay on for this conversation. She and I often have a pretty heated conversation about undercharging or overcharging in your your services and finding that really nice sweet spot of pricing when it comes to um, what you have to offer and the value that you bring. And so we had an incredible conversation around it this week. I hope you guys get so much value and practical help from this episode. And um, uh, I'm just excited. I got the privilege to go solo again with Shay and talk about this this subject of pricing. And Shay is a business and leadership educator and strategic coach who lives out here in the Portland area. She uses a unique combination of her savvy business skills, narrative storytelling, and intuitive questioning to help her clients. I'm one of them. Uh, build comprehensive toolkits for life and business and beyond. Shay has a master's degree in business management and English literature from Case Western Reserve University and New York University, respectively. And before establishing her own coaching practice, she worked as the director of brands for companies like Kinder Modern in New York. So she's got a ton of coaching experience, a ton of experience in the area of entrepreneurship. And then she's also a founder at Breakaway which is an innovative small business advisory firm that does uh, bookkeeping advising. And I'll link all that information for you guys in the show notes. Um, and also make sure you guys go check out her podcast. She's at Camp Adulthood for the podcast. And again, I will link that in the show notes for you guys. Okay, everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of Rebel Heart Radio. I am so excited, selfishly excited to have my friend Shay back on the podcast, Shay Keats. And uh, today we're going to be talking about pricing your services and really figuring out your worth when it comes to your business offerings. I have like really struggled to say like determining your worth, like we're not going to get super ethereal about this. We're actually going to be like, what is your worth in the business Mm -hmm. space? Right, Shay? Totally. And I... um. I mean, I guess we can get into this in a few minutes, but I actually think that using that vocabulary of worth and value is super, super dangerous. And there's a huge benefit for talking about it as price and cost as opposed to value and worth. But mm-hmm. we'll get in there. So I'm Shay, yeah. everybody. There's so good to be back. Super excited. <laughs> You're slowly going to become, I think, one of our external extra hosts that comes to the podcast. Oh, I um, love it. I'm here for it. Well, and we're down Genevieve today, unfortunately. She has a little family family stuff going on, and so it's just you and me, but we're used to being just you and me yeah, every week. Exactly. <laughs> For so those of you who times. might be new to the podcast, Shay is my business strategist, mm-hmm. and we work together on doing things like this, pricing services and, mm-hmm. and growing my business and talking about how we can kind of just take everything to the next level. But we have been talking kind of 
back to basics ideas around starting and growing a business on this quarter of the podcast. And I think one of the things that people struggle with the most, and one of the things that we got a lot of questions from, even from this last week's um, episode, and which when we're recording this, it's um, right after the first like lessons in a service-based business episode was launched. So I'll link that in the show notes for you guys. But basically, we got a ton of questions about pricing because we touched on it very briefly, but it wasn't something we were, I'm like, I'm not going to dig into this right now because it's its own episode and I knew we were going to have you on to talk about it. Um, But I know like when you're starting in your career or like your entrepreneurial path, like whatever creative field that you're deciding to dive into, we often really seriously like discount our time and our talent. Mm -hmm. And it's the time and the talent piece is like one of the biggest parts of the equation of pricing your services. Mm -hmm. Also then obviously being incredibly realistic about the industry where Mm -hmm. you live, what, you know, all that you can talk about getting into that research. But, you know, I think one of the things that I see popping up so much in my industry of nutritional therapy, um, is just not focusing on creating a sustainable and profitable business model Mm -hmm that allows them to actually live the life that they set out to lead in the first place by becoming an entrepreneur. Like, amen, sister. It kills me. It kills me. And so I think a lot of times we get really stuck and um, we wonder like, I let's say legit. Like, I wonder if I'm legit enough to charge this amount. Mm -hmm. Not that it's my worth or my value, but like, am I legit Mm -hmm. enough? Do I have enough legitimacy in this industry, in this subject area, whatever it is? Um, And it leads us to a place of really questioning what we charge, not only like how to set up that pricing structure Mm -hmm. initially, but how to adjust it as we go and gain more Mm -hmm. experience. And I will. I mean, the first time I like started to price out my services, it was a shit show. (laughs) I was trying to figure out what other people were charging. And I swear, everywhere I looked, I thought they were undercharging Mm -hmm. in a huge Mm -hmm. way. But then by the time I got to a place where I was ready and comfortable to like set my own prices, Mm -hmm. making that public was very scary. Yeah. I was afraid everyone was just going to balk at the prices that I charged. It is very scary. Well, Gosh, it's so hard. I feel like this is such a big, you know, elephant to eat. It's hard to know even where to start. But I I think, you know, again, there's so much, and I think you hit on it asking the question, you know, am I legit enough to charge this? Because and and we'll get in, in a minute to I want to kind of take that question off the table and get into the the practicalities. I want to look at mm-hmm. your cold hard numbers. That is honestly the best place to start. But so much when we start dealing with pricing, especially for women, that imposter syndrome is going to pop up. Who am I to charge this much? Who am I to charge anything? And I think on top of that, and oh God, this happened so much as soon as it made me insane. As soon as the COVID crisis took off, people were like, how dare small businesses advertise to me? And it's like, well, and now we're all crying because small businesses are going under right and left. Like, come on, people. Um, We have have to get out there we have to talk about what we do and we have to charge for what we do and there is a there are many different ways to to get to what that number is but you have to start by just saying i i am worth charging something and that is a question of worth and we are all worth mm-hmm. charging something whether you're you know this is why i love like high school entrepreneurs because they're like yeah people are going to pay for my shit um and it's only when we get a little bit older and we get we kind of we get a little more afraid that we don't we don't offer we don't we don't charge what we're charge um, 
charge what we're worth, I guess, even though I said I wasn't yeah. going to use that language. It's just hard not to. <laughs> it's it's hard really not hard to. not to use that language. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I think to start with the practical, you know, I want to talk about, you know, how, how do you even begin to figure out a number? And I think there are a couple, there are three different ways really, or three different strategies that you should use to help figure out that number. Um, one strategy that I'm not going to get deeply into right now, but I, I will mention it because there are a lot of great resources out there, is just the psychology of pricing. Um just literally Google psychology of pricing and you will get so many cool articles that come up and I can I can find a few for your listeners, Cassie. But this is like, for example, why you don't see businesses charging $300. They're going to charge $299 or mm-hmm. $247. Um, mm-hmm. And this is just, again, it's the psychology that people are more willing to buy if it's not quite at that amount. Um, and there's just a ton of psychology behind why you choose certain numbers. Um, And it's great. And all that information is out there. I tell people to not get overly caught up in this because it it can make you a little bit crazy. If you're interested in it, great. Um, I mean, Cassie and I uh, were in a mastermind last year. This like slays me. But one of our former mastermind group members whom we love, she charges all with like, what are they like mystic numbers, magical numbers. So all of her stuff is like, $1,111 $1,111 because she's like really into numerology and I know mm-hmm. nothing about numerology, but that's what works for her. And that's super awesome. And there's, you know, it's her own psychology behind it. So I, so I, I encourage everybody to take a dabble in that. Um, and if you're like nervous about doing it wrong, just pick a, like a round number and pull and take it down $2 and you're good to go. Um, odd numbers go over better well as well. But so that's the first the first thing you need to do. Um, the second thing you need to do is look at at two different things, one in your business and one in your life. The first is your base operating expenses. So you want to sit down and you want to make a list of everything that you spend money on every month for your business. And I encourage people I think sometimes there's, again, and I know you guys have talked about this on the podcast before, there's a lot of shame around money. So we don't want to either be honest about what we are spending or what we're not spending. But this is not the time to get weird about that or to feel shameful about that. This is the time to get really honest because this is going to help you determine how much um, how much money you want to make and and what how much money you need to make to sustain your business. Um, if you're running an online business, you're your base operating expenses are probably going to be pretty low, but it's really easy to forget things like, oh gosh, I have a, a CRM subscription that's fourteen dollars mm-hmm. a month. I pay seventeen dollars a month for Zoom. I pay twenty dollars a month for Asana. So maybe that's comes to two hundred bucks a month. It's not going to break the bank one way or the other. But if you're not accounting for that, I mean, literal accounting. Um, you're going to have a problem. Um, So go through all of that. And then again, because you're a solopreneur or you you run a small business, you want to then look at your personal budget. Okay. And again, not a time to feel shame, but a time to get really honest with yourself and, 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 and remember things like, okay, my health insurance, which is a tax deductible uh, item, which a lot of people forget. Or for some reason, I did this myself. I felt like I wasn't a true entrepreneur, so I couldn't deduct my health insurance. But don't worry, my accountant like set me straight very quickly. She's like, you're paying $400 a month for this. You bet your bottom dollar we're deducting it. 
Um, but again, so get really honest. Your car insurance, your um, how often does your family eat out a couple nights a week? No shame in that, but make sure that you're accounting mm-hmm. for that in your budget. Um, what do you what are you saving for? You know, all of these different things that I know um you and Jen have talked about before, but go back to those notes and 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 really dig in there and then use that to figure out, okay, so if I need to make $3,000 a month after taxes to sustain my lifestyle and I need to make $1,000 after taxes to sustain my business, and then let's say taxes are 30%, so you add that on, you multiply it by 12, and then that's how much money you need to make a year. So, and then you also have from that calculation how much money you need to make per month. And then from there, you figure out, okay, if I charge $100 a month for my, or $100 an hour for my service, that means I need to charge 30 hours that month. So it's really easy. My price is $100 an hour. Um, We can get into, maybe not today, but why I think no one should be doing hourly pricing. Everyone should be doing project <laughs> pricing. It just it just saves saves you. It makes it so much easier to work with clients. Um, let's I don't know. It's just time tracking is a can be a real bummer. Um, yeah, billing hourly is difficult. It's it's very difficult. And then your clients you always end up going over, but your clients are challenging you. It's just not not worth it. Um, but it's it's still always good to kind of know what your hourly rate is because then again if you're pricing for a project and you think the project's going to cost take five hours and you know okay i need to make about a hundred dollars an hour then you charge that client seven hundred dollars you pat it slightly because you know it's going to go over and that's the rate for the client um so that so that's one way to kind of retrofit your pricing and you may do that and you may be like oh my god there's no way that i can make make this amount right now and that's a really daunting number and that's really scary. Okay, well, you can then go back and and look at your budget and see like, okay, well, you know, actually my partner covers these expenses, so I don't need to worry about those or maybe we could eat out a little bit less or I don't really need that subscription to that project management software I'm not using, you know, and then you can cut it down a little mm-hmm. bit and 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 you work it out. Um, but that's the kind of the really practical number-based way to work out your pricing. Um, One thing that you mentioned, Shay, in there that I think needs to be highlighted is, you guys, it takes freaking sacrifice to be an entrepreneur in the beginning. Yeah. Not even just in the beginning. Years into it, it takes sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of the people that I know and respect in the business space talked about moving back in with their parents when they were building a business, downsizing to a crappy apartment instead of their beautiful rental house Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And it doesn't mean you can't like maintain your lifestyle and live a certain way, but you're going to have to make sacrifices so that you can turn your business into a profitable business in the beginning. Exactly. And, you know, or maintain your other job while you're growing your business. And I just wanted to mention that because we we touched on it briefly but I think this allows you to actually get to a space where you can price what you truly deserve like price your services Mm -hmm. at what you deserve for that service Mm -hmm. because 
now you're not sitting there desperate for the next client and feeling like, A, you either need to discount your prices and charge less Mm -hmm. or change your strategy because clearly people aren't receptive to it. Things take time. They take marketing. They take presence and trust and and you know you need time in that space to be able to do that I am always encouraging like brand new NTPs I'm like take some job that takes zero percent of your brain power Mm -hmm. and work that for a little while Mm -hmm. go fold clothes at the gap and then like and just you know call it good or work at lululemon where they like pay you to do some career development which is pretty cool like things like that so I just wanted to mention that because I think I think that goes unsaid way too much. Mm-hmm. And you guys, I worked in my restaurant job until I was matching my salary fully for six months. Mm-hmm. Like I was making what I was making from the restaurant in my nutrition practice for six months before yeah. I quit that. I was exhausted, yeah. but you best believe I knew I was paying my bills. Yeah, like exactly. I just couldn't put myself into that exactly. position. And I think too, we, so often when we, we hear these stories of, this kind of hustle from entrepreneurs, it can feel really like, oh my God, I could never do that. Like I'm, I'm stressed out. Like I feel burnt out just thinking about it. But when you're really sure on what that goal is, like Cassie, I'm sure you didn't mind working that job. You know, I worked as a nanny for seven years to save money so that, because I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Did I want to be wiping kids butts when I was 32 years old? (laughs) No, that weren't your own. That kids. weren't my own. Exactly. I, I mean, okay, I shouldn't say that. My I'm like, dear yeah, sweet, 32 is definitely wiping a butt. I know my dear sweet little uh, little guy that I nannied for so long was way past the butt wiping stage at that point. But I did have to wipe his butt many times. Um, anyway, enough of that. But you know, the, you do things, but you find, you know, that you're working towards a goal. And also, again, like, there are a lot of side hustles out there that are not terrible. Like I loved being a nanny. I love working with kids. I loved working in the restaurant exactly. industry. And it, I mean, for years it was not my side hustle. Yeah. It was my main income. Totally. But guess what? It was a part-time job that was paying me mm-hmm. like all of my other friends who are in corporate America. Mm-hmm. It was pretty amazing. After graduating from college, I had so many people be like, why are you going back in the restaurant industry? And I'm like, try to tell me that you can get another job that's gonna pay you better yeah. than cash out the door all the time. And I could leave it, I could leave it there. Mm-hmm. I left it at work and it was so nice. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I think finding something that, you know, maybe it's outside of the industry that you work in mm-hmm. now. Maybe you're trying to pivot and start a business in the industry you work in now. Maybe it makes sense for you to stay in your current job. Who knows? But but Totally, totally. Well, let's just say it's so good for your brain to have that space too, you know, mm-hmm. that's not, um, you know, t- t- I, when I made that transition to entrepreneuring 24-7, that in itself was a huge adjustment. And sometimes I was like, God, I wish I could go wipe some butts right now, you know? Right. So. I mean, we really, we don't think about how much mental energy it takes to literally create something from the mm-hmm. ground up. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. It's physical work. It's it's a lot of mental work. And it takes you like being in tip top shape mentally, mm-hmm. you know? And so and the other thing I'll add there too is, you know, yeah, that period of time was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm no stranger to hard work yeah. and it was still really totally. hard. But you, you call it temporary, yeah. you know? I was like, I'm going to do this for six months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, if I'm not continuing to be profitable, profitable at that six month mark, Mm -hmm. then I need to reevaluate what I'm doing or how I'm doing it or whatever. Um, But you can just adjust as you go. Yeah, you know, exactly. And I think um, I won't go too much into depth 
on this right now, but I have a very similar exercise and I have a blog post about it. Um, you know, when people ask, how much money do I need to save to quit my job um, mm. to, to pursue whatever it may be, grad school or a, a side hustle full time as an entrepreneur now or or whatnot. And it, it's, a, it's a very similar exercise. But I say, I haven't seen anybody do it. I mean, you can do it with less, but if you don't have 10 grand in the bank, it's going to be it's going to be a hard slog um, Mm -hmm. if you're not working that second job. So I will send you the link to that, Cassie, if you want to share it. But that's a it's a helpful discussion as well. Yeah, yeah. I'll throw that in the show notes for everybody. And I I think just even thinking about that number at the 10 grand and then you kind of breaking down earlier, like, oh, needing to make three grand. Like, that's pretty common for a lot of Mm -hmm. people, like needing to make three grand to to pay their bills and live and eat food yeah exactly (laughs) and you know I think I think a good rule of thumb is like three months of expenses exactly in your business um and I would argue in your business and in your personal Mm -hmm. life so I, I mean there's there needs to be a pretty good pad there and that's me speaking from making that mistake myself yep. and then relearning it and then not making it again mm-hmm. totally <laughs> so totally I just I just I think you know as far as those expenses go in your business like they need to be covered mm-hmm. and you need to not have to worry about like how much you're paying yourself into your personal account based on that there's so many nuances there yeah um yeah exactly. don't do what I did that's basically no I hear <laughs> this you is my advice to you today I hear you it's definitely I I make jokes about creative accounting not that I'm like doing any embezzling or anything but it you definitely <laughs> I mean I played the credit card game right where you're like okay I'm going to switch this balance over here to this one that's got no interest but then I got to pay this and and I'm not saying that that's right or that you should be doing that but we all you know, you do what you have to do to make it work over time. And, and again, a whole, whole other, other discussion. But um, the other kind of third pillar of pricing that I want to talk about is, again, getting real and getting honest with yourself about what your experience is. Um, so I, I've worked with people of, I wouldn't say I've done executive coaching, but let's say, from people right out of college and up until their 40s. So we're looking at early career uh, mid-career and then probably, you know, as you're about to make that launch into the the last third of your career. And when people make the switch to entrepreneurism, there's all of this talk around, okay, what am I quote unquote worth, right? Coming back to that imposter syndrome question. Unfortunately, there are a lot of thought leaders out there and I, I People may at me for this, um, but there are a lot of thought <laughs> leaders out there who are encouraging people to charge what they're worth, right? But which is totally, totally valid. Um, and however, they're not encouraging people to do the practical exercise that was that we've talked about. And then on top of that, charging what they're worth, they're, the subtext of that is charge really high. That is not always appropriate, and you and. So that's why this third part of the pricing pillar is about being honest with yourself about what your experience is. If you are your first year out of college and you want to start your own graphic design business, I'm not saying that you have to undercharge. You should still do those exercises. But girl, do not charge $150 an hour. I, you are not, you're not worth it. I'm sorry. Just to like get really real with you. <laughs> and this is someone who has worked and managed graphic designers for a decade. Like, you're not. You just do not have the experience yet. But you know what? 
don't charge, don't go on Upwork or whatever it's called and charge $5 an hour. That's also mm-hmm. price gouging and is not cool. You need to do the exercises and charge, you know, $25 to $40 an hour is completely appropriate for someone at that stage in their career. Now, then I have the opposite thing happen. People who have 10 to 20 years of job experience and they're like, I'm starting this new business. And because I'm maybe slightly new in this field or slightly new to entrepreneurism, they come and they say, I'm charging $30 an hour. And I'm like, no, you have a master's degree. You have 20 years of work experience. You have done all of this stuff. You need to be charging probably close to equivalent what you would have been charging in your other industry. So if that's $300 an hour, say you're a lawyer or or somebody that's really specific career, you know. approximate that, right? You're probably Mm -hmm. not going to be making such a big shift in your career. I mean, maybe if you're going from like being a lawyer to like training baby dolphins, maybe you need to, (laughs) I don't know, like I'm trying to think of something where you're... That's not what I expected to come out of your mouth. (laughs) Sometimes I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth, but on fire today. Occupational hazard. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, so I think it's just, you know, Again, thinking about your own career and taking a really critical eye to that, and then going back to that research and what are other people charging, not just other people in your industry. So let's say you've been a creative director and you're like, I just actually want to do graphic design. And if you check out the industry, the average is going to be brought down by the people who are charging $5. So you don't necessarily want to do an average, but you want to say, okay, where are people who have similar experience to me, where are they landing on the price scale? Um, and and that's how, again, you then take all three of these things and, and use it to come to a number that that is appropriate for your business. Yeah. Um. How, quick question, yeah, like course. how many years, how far in do we start to adjust our prices based on our experience? Like, is this like a constant thing? Yeah. We're kind of reevaluating every six months, couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you suggest? Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, I say, first of all, if you are an entrepreneur, you should be reevaluating your prices at least annually. Um, some people do it more often. It can get a little exhausting, but you should be looking at it at least annually. But you should be thinking about those major jumps. I would say. I don't know, if you want an easy rule of thumb, I would say every four years, right? Because four years is the time it takes you to get a college degree. So mm. think of all that experience you got in college and how your your going rate jumped from being an 18-year-old high schooler to being a 22-year-old or 21-year-old college graduate. It, your earning potential jumped hugely. So if you have four more years of experience in education, that's kind of when you you can make those, those big jumps. Um, but again, it's not, I wish I could give a super easy rule of thumb. Um, you may have an experience where you get really lucky and you get a huge client and that's like a crash course for you. And maybe that uh, that client only lasts for six months, but coming out of the other side of that, then you can charge maybe even double what you are already charging. So, yep. um, Or can doing any continuing education. Exactly. That can definitely bump your pricing and your experience and you can share that with people, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. why you're, why you're making changes. Although I never feel like I have to, had to justify, (laughs) I just be like, yep, this is what it is now. And so I talk about that 
a lot with my clients. Um, I work with, I have a course for uh, boutique fitness studio owners, and I talk with them a lot about that because, oh man, they like freak out every single one of them every year because it's the standard in the industry that you're going to bump your prices at the end of the year. And people either refuse to do it, so they're still operating on the same prices they had a decade ago when they opened, or they bump it so much they lose clients or they do it in a way where they're not communicating it effectively to clients. Um, And again, if you have a business like that, my number one thing is your clients feed off your energy. And if you come in and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry, but I have to do this, that's not going to go over well. You have to come in with enthusiasm and say, look at all of the awesome things that you are getting for this low, low you know, for this increase of 3% or 5%. um, And then you make the client excited about it. But that's pricing. That's like a 200 level pricing class right there. So (laughs) I think some people who listen will be ready for that. Um, I just want to speak a little bit to my experience with pricing my services Mm -hmm. over the years. When I first started out in nutritional therapy and kind of launched my practice, I, I mean... I worked really hard before I actually launched one-on-one consulting to like teach classes, build trust, put myself out there, write, write, um, packets and guides and all sorts of things to help people like shop the grocery store and do all sorts of things. And through that process, it wasn't that long. It was like three months that I worked on that. I just was heavy. I was in school. I knew I couldn't see one-on-one clients as a certified practitioner Mm -hmm. until I was done. But I was ready to start sharing this information because it was burning in me, which is, you know, when that information, when that burns for you, when it lights you up, like you have to share Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, social media was a thing back then, but man, it was not, I mean, I would have been doing all of this stuff on Instagram if that were the case. Um, but it just wasn't. And so much of that was building that local piece. But as I did that, I got to see, you know, what other people were charging in the nutritional therapy space. When I was pricing my own services, I literally was scouring other people's prices Mm -hmm. and looking at what they were offering. And the thing that I felt across the board was like, you know, when you put an hour, someone's butt is in your chair, in your office, or on the phone with you for an hour, you are putting in another two hours yes, of work Yes, thank for you client. for saying that. Like, we have to, you know, so... I think going back to like knowing your expenses, this is part of knowing your expenses. It's going to take some time initially for you to figure out how long it's going to take you to work on a client file to prep before they're with you. And this goes to be like, if you're in the design industry, if you're a consultant, Mm -hmm. if you are doing, I mean like this for Jen with like skincare Mm -hmm. consultations, she has prep to do beforehand. All of these kind of interesting service-based businesses where you are, you know, in some aspect of your business doing this time for dollars thing, right? Yeah. But guess what? You need to account for the time that goes in on the back end of that. You're creating, you know, possibly like a custom plan for someone. Mm -hmm. And it's not just them being in your office or on the phone with you. And that's something I really learned the hard way. You know, I was charging for like an hour of work, but it was three hours of work Mm -hmm. in one appointment. Mm -hmm. And the first iteration of me upping my prices was I actually literally like tripled my prices almost right away. (laughs) And I, you know, I told those initial people, I was like, I've grandfathered you in. You can be in this space for six months. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we're done with Mm -hmm. this. Um, and you know, I just called them kind of like my beta clients. I, I backpedaled and I was like, you guys are my beta clients, which guess what? It's your business. You can do that. 
Yeah. I mean, but I learned the hard way just how much time. And now the other piece of it too is as your experience increases, Mm -hmm. you can charge more, but also it will take you less time to prep for each appointment because you've got so much experience. Um, But, you know, I just want to speak to the folks who are in health and wellness, Mm -hmm. like in nutritional therapy, because I know you guys listen to this podcast. Um, you need to really dig in and start to charge more of a project-based price than an hourly-based price, like Shay was mentioning yeah. before. Um, totally. You know, think of each client as a project mm-hmm. and something that you are working to really create a full picture of health. It's going to take more of you than you think it's going mm-hmm. to, and you need to charge to a place where that person is valuing that experience. Exactly, Because this is, I mean, so much different. Like when you're doing graphic design for a client Mm -hmm. you know it's it's like they're part of the process they get the design like it's you know they have their logo they have their branding maybe you did their website whatever Mm -hmm. it is like you have that stuff it's done it's great but with a client who's working on their health like they have to be invested in that process Mm -hmm. and if they are not paying enough you guys they will not be invested like it needs to hurt a little bit hurt their paycheck like hurt their bottom line a little bit because they need to be paying attention and invested and if it doesn't cost very much they're not going to show up Mm -hmm. so I just I have to like I have to say that yeah for our wellness and and I've been on the payment side of Mm -hmm. that thing the folks who I've paid a pretty good amount to help me with my health wellness nutrition personal training whatever it is I am here for yeah. it. And when they are undercharging, I will cancel. Like, it's just the way I love it that. Is. No, I think that's so smart. And, you know, I, to, to riff on that a little bit, again, this is why it's important to, even if you don't ever share it with anybody, to have an idea what your hourly rate is and to have an idea of how many hours um, a quote unquote project takes. So again, just like Cassie said, the prep, the follow-up, but also how much time you just spend sitting around thinking about that client. Um, and this is, again, if you're, as Kelsey, as Cassie said, in the health and wellness space, or if you're a coach um, doing the kind of work like I do, you know, I don't, you never really turn off. And that's why I say, if you figure out that, okay, it takes five hours for me to have a one hour session with a client, um, plus I'm thinking about it for two hours, you wanna think about it that as a seven hour project, not a one-hour project, um, mm-hmm. and then and and then you can price price appropriately from there. And again, as much as I hate time tracking, while you're you're going to be amazed at how much time you're actually spending on your client work. So I would recommend getting a time tracking app, just a free one. Um, Noco Time is really good; they're free. They have a good app, um, and just use it for like a month or two months, and be like, oh, I thought I was spending one hour on this client. I spent ten hours. Um, And that's going to really be some helpful data for you as well. That's a really good point. I think not feeling like you have to track your hours for your client, but for yourself and your own research to be able to see that. Um, So as let's like, as far as expenses Mm -hmm. go, I think one of the things that gets missed is a lot of these like digital services Mm -hmm. that we use now. And so I would love, like, I'm just going to throw out some things that I use that you guys need to be thinking about, right? You mentioned Zoom. Mm -hmm. I use Zoom for Beauty Counter. I use it for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I have like a premium subscription to that so that I don't have any limits on number of people who can come to a meeting or the time. So I pay for that, right? We're paying, I pay for um, accounting software. I pay for, um, oh my goodness, 
email service with Flowdesk. I pay for Canva. Mm-hmm. I pay for, I mean, like the list goes on and on those little things and they really mm-hmm. add up. And so many of them make you more efficient in your business. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing I hear back, you know, both from people on my beauty counter team and then other nutritional therapists in the space. They're always trying to DIY shit instead of just paying the $10 a month for the service. that's going to make their life so much easier. You guys, it is worth your time. Use all those services and but make sure you're including them in your expenses. And I see a lot of people missing things like shipping and meals Mm -hmm. and like networking costs and things like that. Um, So much of what we do as entrepreneurs in a social setting can actually be written Mm -hmm. off. So I would like, one of the things you can do to like really get your expenses dialed in a certain area is working with a tax strategist in that particular industry who knows your industry because they're going to be able to tell you. The other thing you can do is I would just meet or, you know, pick someone's brain of someone who's in your industry, um, maybe a mentor, um, or someone that you really look up to and just say, Hey, what are the expenses Mm -hmm. that you track in your business? Would you be willing to share that with me? Because I mean, yeah, go ask someone who's been in it for a while and are seeing a lot Mm -hmm. more expenses than you're even able Mm -hmm. to see. Exactly. And again, you know, if you are working with a bookkeeper or an accountant or a financial strategist of some kind who is worth their salt, they're going to be asking you these questions. And let me tell you, Mm -hmm. if they are not asking you these questions, if you're not walking away from every meeting with them being like, oh my God, they're so smart. And I never would have even thought of that. They're not worth your money, you know? Um, And it was, you know, I was talking with a client of mine this morning and we were talking about outsourcing her bookkeeping. And, you know, it's a big jump, I think, to make that leap. And again, here's where imposter syndrome comes in. She's like, well, you know, do I deserve to have a bookkeeper? I'm like, well, girlfriend, you do because we spend you know, every call that we have, we spend time being like, she doesn't have enough time to spend with her family. She doesn't have enough time to spend developing her business. I'm Mm. like, what are, again, getting off on my soapbox, but the first thing an entrepreneur can take off their plate that takes a lot of time for them and is a pain in the butt is bookkeeping. The second thing they can do is find somebody to help with their marketing. You know, there's all of these ways, again, that you can outsource. Mm. And I think when we come back to um, again, looking at those operating expenses, um, it's and this is why I don't use the word budget when I was talking about that. I like to use the word audit because I think, mm-hmm. right, you're auditing your business expenses, you're auditing your personal expenses, and then do not forget to audit your time because that's another huge resource. What are you spending too much time on um, and not getting paid for? And where then, again, go back to that budget and you're like, you know what? I could afford $300 a month to work with a bookkeeper. Or you know what? I could outsource to a VA uh, my posting on Instagram. You know, I I could afford this. Okay, maybe that means we're only going to, I'm, I'm going to cut something else or or I'm going to have to get another client. And again, I always like to look at it in a place from abundance as opposed to thinking about what you can cut. How much extra work do you have to bring in? And if it's one extra client, you can do it. That's not a big deal. You know, it's yeah. one client usually to, to cover this. So um, again, looking at, and Cassie, you spoke to this earlier, we get to this point where we're like, oh my gosh, we don't want, you know, we're not living the lives that we wanted to live when we dreamed of being an entrepreneur. Well, get back to what that life is that you want to live and make it happen. And you probably have to outsource well, and- some stuff. Yeah. And it takes, I mean, I'm in that place right mm-hmm. now, right? Where it takes some course correction 
and finally realizing that you do have space in your budget to pay for certain things on the on the subject of outsourcing really quick it's definitely a tangent for us here but I will say when you get to that place where you are too busy for what you have on your plate like it's just it's too much it feels overwhelming maybe business is like successful Mm -hmm. in a really good way right um uh, that's a it's probably time to ratchet your prices up mm-hmm. so I'm gonna say that yep, I love that um and b uh, the thing I didn't realize is that yes I could outsource things in my business or I could outsource things in my personal life so I could spend more time on my business if I wanted mm-hmm. to do that or have that time that I am with my family freed up to just be with my family and not have to worry about exactly. um personal stuff so like one of the first things we did to outsource was actually hire a house cleaner. I mean amen me too. <laughs> I, I just want to, I want to put that out there and it's so much more affordable than you think it mm-hmm. is. Like I, I just, and it takes something in such a big way off of my plate and I work at my house. Like I live, I, I live in my office. I, I, my office is my house. Yes. And so I need this space to be taken care of and I need to not be the person who has to do that all the time. Um, so that's been a big lifesaver in business for me mm-hmm. personally. And then also, uh, you know, in my marriage, really, if I'm being <laughs> honest, because <laughs> yes. we're not nitpicking about stuff. Um, but that was one of the first things, you know, my husband, Josh, he was like, I, I need you to outsource something. We got to figure out what it is. And we both went to the place of business initially. And then I was like, no, 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 no. Like all of my friends are telling me like the house cleaner thing first, do that first, hire a teenager to do your dishes, like something, something, you know, outsource something in your home that you hate to do. And I think that's the first question too is, okay, maybe we've ratcheted up the prices after we are having an overwhelming number of people coming to us and, and that feels good. And, or maybe we have a wait list or something like that to kind of bring those people in later. But, um, you know, I think the next step is like, do we really need to outsource? Okay. If we're outsourcing, then what are the tasks that you hate doing? Yes. What are the things you seriously dislike doing? That is what I'm in the process of handing off to my V, my new VA Mm -hmm. right now. My first hire. I have, I've worked with an assistant. I've worked with a virtual assistant one other time, but it was just on a project and it was not a great experience. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very excited for this one. So I will keep you guys up to date on the outsourcing that is happening right now. I can't wait to hear about it personally. And I'll have to be really nice because she's also a podcast listener no (laughs) hi listener (laughs) no she's amazing awesome so anyways but yeah I think I think so many of those you know going back to our initial conversation so many of those expenses Mm -hmm. get buried in the bottom line and then we just don't we don't know what to expect because we're brand new in our Mm industries like you need to be tapping into people for this information Um, the other thing that you uh, like do a really good job of, of talking about with your clients is myself included is, um, you know, budgeting or auditing for Mm -hmm. things like health insurance, retirement fund, 401k, Mm -hmm. medical bills, taxes, social security, mortgage, all of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Will you speak to that? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, again, if you're working a traditional nine to five, so many of these things are just taken care of for you, right? It comes out of your paycheck automatically. You don't have to think about it. Um, and often, I mean, clearly there there are huge advantages to that. But if you're an entrepreneur, you have to make sure that you are hitting all of those marks yourself. Um, the first and the biggest one is health insurance. Um, yes, currently we still, you know, we are required to have health insurance in the company in this country. It's still new and it 
who knows where that's going to go. Um, I don't want to get into politics, but it is important <laughs> to have health insurance. And sometimes people want to scrimp on that because I'm young and I'm healthy. And if I don't have health insurance for six months, I can save $3,000 be so great. You don't know what's going to happen, right? And and this is, it's, it, I get this mostly with people who are single. They don't have families to worry about. And they're like, oh, I just won't pay health insurance. No. Pay your health insurance because if you have even a minor injury, you can be bankrupt. And I'm not talking about, you don't have to get run over by a bus. You could just happen to, I don't know, cut yourself while you're cooking one day and have to go in the emergency room and get stitches and that's five grand. You know, there's just all of these little things or you could get bronchitis and you need antibiotics and yeah, you can pay out of pocket for that, but it could be you know, again, $1,500 when it could have been 30. Um, Mm -hmm. So I really encourage people not not to skimp on health insurance. If you are overwhelmed as a solopreneur or an entrepreneur about where to even begin, um, you know, healthcare.gov is actually a great place to start. Um, And I also really encourage, I've had a lot of luck and I've I've paid a premium, uh, no pun intended for it, but I like really strong regional insurance providers. So when I was on the East Coast, um, I used Oscar, which um, I wouldn't use now, but at the time they were very good. They had a really great program. They were had really great uh, telehealth. Um, and on the West Coast, I use Kaiser because they they fit really well with the lifestyle and and the needs that I have. Um, but again, you pay a little more for that. But the reason I recommend those and I and I mention those here is those are ones that you don't have to like go through all the rigmarole. You can just go to Kaiser.com and say, I want a I want a coverage. And they'll be like, Great, here's the deal. Um, so that's that's really good. And again, navigating health insurance could be a whole podcast in and of itself. Um, uh, you wanna yes. think about your other kind of personal insurance. Make sure you have your car insurance, your rental insurance, your life insurance. I just got thought life insurance would be really expensive. It's not. Um, it's definitely, definitely not. not well worth it. I have a great rep here in Portland if anyone's interested. Um, you know, there's just so many really good ways that you can make sure that you're going to be safe. Another thing that you want to do is always make sure that you are saving money out of what you're earning for taxes. You do not want to get screwed over when tax season comes. Um, If you have a very, uh, let's say, let's say fearful accountant, they may tell you to save up to 50%. That's probably a little much, but anywhere from 10 to 30% um, generally generally uh, fits the bill. I tend to save, you know, again, and you should be doing cash flow projections. So if you know that you're going to be making 80 grand this year and you don't have a lot of business expenses, you'll want to save a little bit more than if you're like, you know, I'm going to make $25,000 this year and it's my first year in business. So I'm pouring a ton of money into the business. Well, you're, it's probably going to be a wash for you tax wise. So just kind of things to think about. Again, worth paying for an hour of a tax strategist time to get that advice. So you know what assets are actually liquid and which assets are not. Um, Please, 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 please save for retirement. Um, 
Roth IRAs are really great for for solopreneurs uh, in particular, but there are a lot of options out there. There are a lot of new ways to save and new ways to invest um, that I I have just been blown away by. Um, and make sure that you are doing that because again, it's another way to protect your family, protect yourself, um, and and just make sure things are good for the long term. Because as much as we love what we do, we probably don't want to be working when we're eighty. Um, and you're going to feel really jealous of your friend who's a teacher who's getting their pension. And I'm not saying that their pensions are great, right? Like they, there's certainly issues there. Yeah, well, and they're not guaranteed. They're either. not guaranteed. That's true. <laughs> but you don't, you don't even want to have to have that conversation with yourself. Um, and then I think no. the last but not least, kind of the bucket that you need to have is an emergency fund because and and this became so clear to me during I mean it was always something that I would talk about but the number of small businesses that have gone over gone under during the COVID-19 crisis because they couldn't cover their expenses for 3 months that's insane to me you and we and Cassie said the exact thing this exact thing earlier like you should be able to cover 3 months have 3 months worth of easily easily liquefiable assets available to to cover your business's expenses if something should happen to the economy. Um, granted, that's not probably going to be possible necessarily your first year in business, but if it's your fifth year or your 10th year, um, you've got to have that contingency plan in place um, because I just, it, it, it blows my mind that, that businesses, small businesses couldn't weather the storm. And what's really sad is there are a lot of really important small businesses you know it's coffee shops mm-hmm. and and places that were you know the the site of community so that's a, another soapbox you can listen to my podcast camp adulthood if you want to hear me have a uh, <laughs> have a soapbox moment on that but um yeah yes we yeah, do well we do want to hear that camp adulthood.com notes for you so. guys <laughs> yes um so another thing that kept coming up for me when i was kind of on the search is like how how do I do the math? Like yeah. this is, I mean, we, you talked about kind of these three different strategies for figuring out your pricing. And I think that's general and wonderful. And I, I like the like retrofitting mm-hmm. your prices based on what you want to be earning. Mm-hmm. That's I think a really good place to start. Um, but they, you guys, there are pricing guides for the industry that you mm-hmm. work in all over the mm-hmm. place. Like search pricing guide for graphic designers, freelance yeah. graphic designers, pricing guide for, nutritionists or freelance nutritionists or whatever you will find things um i will say um jenna kutcher has a really nice guide to pricing that i have um referred to quite a few times and it's for creative entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. period and she has an app like there's actual math in this um profitable pricing guide that she gives so i recommend checking that out if you want to actually get in the nitty-gritty and do the math do you have any resources that you like um if you are in if you are a boutique fitness studio owner i have one that is part of our course that we that we actually just finished and my uh my colleague that is doing that course with me like she freaked out because she was like Shay, I did Excel by myself. And I was like, good for you, Emily. <laughs> good job. But um, yeah, so if you're in that industry, reach out to me and I can get you some resources. Um, but, you know, I actually will say that I I don't have any resources off the top of my head besides okay. that one. Yeah. But again, if you are working with a bookkeeper or working with um, – a coach, this is something they should be able to very quickly create for you, a plug and play spreadsheet where you put in 
how much money you want to make, and um, it will spit out what you need to charge to make that much money. Um, mm-hmm. And you just do that again, you plug, 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 and then it, it's magical about that. So um, now I'm thinking maybe I, I need it. to create one of these. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not trying to create more work. For no, you. I. This is how it happens it. on the podcast, so, you guys. We we make projects yeah, for people. To I do. <laughs> I love a project. So so but I I like that pricing guide from Jenna Kutcher. Yeah. I think it's a good place to start. Um, and you could even start there and run that past your coach or tax strategist or, you know, someone you're working mm-hmm. with in bookkeeping, whatever it is. Um, I want to talk really briefly about like the psychology of putting your numbers into motion. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with is, you know, we we finally come to a place where we've kind of figured it out and now we're scared. We're scared to say what we're charging. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons is we see we are we're afraid of pushback. Mm-hmm. We're afraid of pushback and then having to justify our prices. Mm-hmm. And we actually have a listener question to that right. effect. And I'm going to throw it out there yeah. for you right now. But she basically said, like, I'm questioning the prices that I've put into place for my consulting packages. And I think this person works in nutrition. Okay. Um and she said, of course, I begin to feel this after I was told how expensive it was by a potential client and that it was all about the money. When I discussed how the breakdown showed a clear value, they, they weren't impressed. Am I overcharging for what I do? And I think that pushback, that scenario is exactly what a creative entrepreneur mm-hmm. is afraid of. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I have many thoughts on this. Um, the first, which I think <laughs> we talked about last time, is the hot dog costs $2. And I think a lot of times, and and just to review that little allegory, is if you were going to buy a hot dog from the hot dog stand and the hot dog guy says, this hot dog costs $2, you will pay $2. You're not going to be like, hmm, no, I think that hot dog's worth $1.25. You're going to pay your money, no. you're going to eat your dog, and it will be fine. Um, unfortunately, there's a big mental block between two applying this to our work, right? So people come to us and they, and they want a discount or they want this or, you know, they think that they can negotiate with you. And I, I guess I just would say two things. First is that, yeah, you're going to get pushback. And two, that doesn't mean that you should change your prices. It means that that client is not the right client for you. Now, yes, Yes, I'm like, right. Preach. It's it, Thank that's you. what it means, and that's fine. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're charging too much. It just means that it's not the right fit. The only caveat to that would be is if this happens to you ten or twenty times, maybe take a little gander at your prices and and see mm-hmm. what you can, you know, again reevaluate why you're charging that much. But I think again, people like they do with so many things in this day and age, feel like they have a right to tell you how to run your business as opposed to just saying like, oh, you know what? I can't afford that right now. Um, so also circle back. Or can you recommend someone who may be in my price range? Like that's that's how, by the way, you should react if somebody gives you a price that you don't want. Um, and I just, I don't believe in negotiating for, for service-based products because you wouldn't negotiate for the hot dog or you wouldn't negotiate for how much that sweater costs at the gap like it costs $25 so there you go it costs what it costs yeah I don't know I again just getting back to like if someone's questioning you don't worry about it you're gonna get questions and that's okay people have a right to ask questions but you have a right to charge what you want to charge um and also I think sometimes 
you you will get into a place where you want to reevaluate your pricing, whether that is to have it go up or go down. And that's that's fine. I recently, I mean, if you look at my my pricing, it will look to the to the outsider like I recently dropped my pricing. Um, I didn't drop my pricing because people were coming to me and telling me it was too expensive, but I evaluated my goals and I realized if I change the structure of my pricing. And and again, I'm talking about this now just because I think sometimes when people say it's too expensive, it may not be too expensive if you break it down into a monthly payment. It may not be mm-hmm. too expensive, again, if you want to go on that deep dive into the psychology of pricing. Um, so I went from charging, people had to pay $2,200 um, upfront for a three-month package. And you know what people would do is they would, you know, kind of, complain about it and then I'd give them a discount and then they would pay it. Then I'd give them another discount because they paid in full. And then I would end up doing way more work than what I was charging them for. And then they would be done at the end of three months. So my new package is looks a lot less. It's a lot more attainable, right? It's an attainable luxury price. Um, people can budget for that much more easily. And then they're Mm -hmm. way more likely to continue with me past my three-month minimum because... They're used to paying you monthly. It just, again, becomes part of that base operating expense. Um, Yes. So, you know, I say that because I think, listener, you are probably charging fine and that client is just not a great fit for you. Um, mm-hmm. But there's always places, and as entrepreneurs, we should always be examining. So if you look at it and you're like, okay, well, you know, I need to charge this month much, but I could perhaps present it in a different way. Um, and and just look at those things, again, as information and data that you can gather, not as, again, a value judgment against you. Um, and I'm, I'm just personally sick of people making entrepreneurs feel bad for charging money for what they're worth or not what they're worth, but what they're offering. Amen. <clears throat> so. Amen. Yeah. I did in toward the end. So, I mean, in the beginning of my nutrition practice, yeah. it was definitely like an hourly rate I was charging. Mm-hmm. And then toward the end, it was basically like, this is how much it costs to get in my door mm-hmm. to be my client and do your first appointment and then this is the monthly Mm -hmm. to see me and then I had varying levels of involvement that corresponded with that monthly price so like if you wanted access to Voxer and email Mm -hmm. and we talked this often you know once a week or something like that it costs this much and then you can you know go down from there if it you know is going to we're going to be talking once every two weeks or once a month yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And then you can kind of graduate your clients out of a program too. So that's something, if you have something that's a little more stepwise mm-hmm. like that, that can be I helpful. But also you can just decide how much you want to be communicating with your clients and then just yeah. charge accordingly yeah. and not give them, you know, different options yeah. as well. So there's a lot of different ways to do I that. I think that's really interesting to, you know, I was talking about this with a, a friend and colleague and former client of mine just the other day. And she was like, you know, when I up my prices, I talk to every single one of my clients. And I was like, I think that's a perfectly legitimate strategy and that's what works for your business. But other businesses just want to send out an email. Other businesses just want to raise the price, you know? Um, And again, there is strategy and psychology that go into all of these different choices. But again, so often as entrepreneurs, we just want to be like, what's the answer? Well, guess what? Unfortunately, I'm sorry, there is no answer. Like you have to figure out what is right for your business and also what's right for your business today 
in 2020 during the middle of a global pandemic is going to be super different than what it's going to look like in 2021 or what it looked like in 2017, you know? So just be be real with yourself about that. So Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you kind of you touched on this earlier about you know, discounting things and adjusting your prices. And we had one other listener question Mm -hmm. that just says, should I give discounts and deals on my services? Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of influencers out there in this, in the service-based business space, um, in the entrepreneurial space who talk a lot about like never discounting Mm -hmm. your services. So like when, when should we be doing that if we're even doing that? Yeah, I love that question. So I don't believe in doing discounts, but I... Here, there. Here's the thing with discounting. If you're discounting all the, if you're discounting all the time, it's not discounting. Your price is just the lower price. So if that's yep. the case, then th- then just charge the lower price. Um, I would say as a rule of thumb, you shouldn't discount. And that again goes back to you're just training people to wait for the discount. Um, however. Discounting should totally be up to you as the business owner. Um, I, for example, I rarely will offer a sale on my coaching practices, but I do offer a friends and family discount. When I do things like come on Rebel Heart Radio or give um, a workshop, I offer a discount to those mm-hmm. um to those participants, those listeners, and that's just to sweeten the deal a little bit. Um, yep. And I think that that is is really important. I also give myself range because guess what? It is my business and I have the bandwidth to do this. So if I meet with somebody and they're freaking amazing and I really want to work with them and I know that they don't have the budget, I can make up a special price just for them. And you know what? Sometimes mm-hmm. I even work pro bono. I don't do that often. But you know what? This is my choice as a business owner. And I do not have to be transparent about those choices with no, you don't. the rest of the world. You know? No. And I make and I don't have to justify those choices. Um, I just have to make sure that I am tracking them, that I am keeping the data from those pricing interactions so that when I do adjust my prices, I can say, hey, you know what? I ended up giving five discounts this year because it was people that I really wanted to work with. So maybe that means that my target market actually needs a little bit of a lower price. So then I adjust accordingly. Or maybe, as Cassie referred to earlier, oh my gosh, I have a wait list with six people on it. I need to up those prices, you know? Um, But I think as a rule of thumb, regularly giving out discount codes is not appropriate and it doesn't work. Um, and it, again, trains your clients to pay less uh, and it's bad for your industry also. Yes. Amen, sister. Yeah. I, I will say and add, I think it depends on why you're mm-hmm. giving the discount. So I think that's the bigger piece of it for me personally. Like, are you discounting because you're not, you don't have enough clients mm-hmm. and you want to get more? Um, probably not a good no. reason to do that. Um, are you discounting because you feel like people can't afford your services? Are you assuming that people can't afford your services? Mm-hmm. So you're going to offer that's a discount a to certain markets. There's a lot of assumption that happens in this space. And I see this, I mean, a lot with beauty counter mm-hmm. too on our team, like, you know, clients, you know, people, 
consultants who are on my team will see clients who are kind of, you know, in that place of being like, okay, do I want to pay this for a premium skincare item? And I'm like, you need to have exactly as you said earlier, Shay, like you need to have less expensive options Mm -hmm. that are similar to suggest Mm -hmm. for people uh, that can make a difference for them. You build that trust with them. And then when they're ready to work with you, they will work with you. And, you know, as far as pricing goes, you know, people are constantly assuming that people can't afford Mm -hmm. what you offer, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, product, service, doesn't matter. People are constantly assuming that people cannot afford what you offer. Guess what? They Mm -hmm. can. They will. They will come to the table. Like I work in premium skincare. People spend plenty of money on that. Um, And same goes for like business services and things like that. So I just wanted to put it out there. Like if I think a really good reason to discount is exactly what Shay did, where you're already in this place of investment and trust with a group of Mm -hmm. people who are getting to know you and know what to expect from you probably will be easier to work with because they have consumed you in Mm bite-sized pieces, maybe on a podcast interview Mm -hmm. or they're on your email list or, you know, what have you. So I think there's an, and there's some interesting Mm -hmm. psychology of pricing around doing launch pricing as well, where you like only offer things for a certain period of time, which Amy talked about in the podcast a few weeks ago, Amy Tallis read. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think in general offering discounts should be something that's done privately. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) Just like you were talking about. It should feel like a gift that you're giving to someone you care about. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that I always want to give a discount and feel good about it. You know, and and honestly, it's ironic because at the end of the day, the clients I give discounts to, I usually just love on them so hard that they end up getting like so much extra. But that's that's on me. I'm not saying anybody else should do that. Um, But also, I think when again, when we're talking about pricing and we're talking about discounting, the number one thing to remember is if you underprice yourself, you are undervaluing your services. So people are actually less likely to buy if the price is too low. So again, this is why mm-hmm. I offer a discount to that group that's already warm because they have been following me and they're engaged and I want to give them this gift. Um, but if I'm just saying, okay, my thing costs $500 and I consistently offer $150 off, people will just be like, okay, well, if that only costs that, is it really even worth that much? You know, whereas Mm -hmm. if you say something $750, people are like, wow, because you are literally putting a dollar value on it and people understand Mm -hmm. money. They understand numbers. It's very simple. Um, But yeah, I think that's really interesting. So the last thing that I wanted to kind of touch on is um, this idea of uh, like constantly assessing and adjusting your prices Mm -hmm. and not constantly like you need to change your prices all Mm -hmm. the time, but revisiting them and what are the things that make us revisit Mm -hmm. and just kind of going back over that because, you know, we talked about experience. We talked about years of years in the industry. We talked about continuing education, those sorts of things. But what are some like indications that we know we need to be adjusting our pricing? So I think the indications we've hit on hit on both of them. Um, first is that if you have a wait list and if you consistently have a wait list, um, you should bu- you know move your prices up, bump them up so that you can get people off that wait list, um, refer them to someone else if they can't you know afford the higher price. But that is a good indication that there is wiggle room there with your audience. Um, the other thing is if you do have large numbers of people saying that your pricing is too high. And then again, you go back and do that research. What is the 
the going rate in the industry and you're finding that, okay, I am running a little high. It looks like my my target audience, my ideal client avatar is not into this price. That's a good time to adjust. Um, again, if you, this happens so much for my studio owners, they go out and they do a kick-ass course and then they come back and now they're an expert on, you know, Pilates for shoulder injuries. At that point, you could immediately bump your price. Um, but I think a good rule of thumb is when you do your yearly planning, so once a year, examine your pricing. This is what went well. This is what didn't. Um, and then and then adjust accordingly. I love it. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we were super clear on that because I think that's a something that we'll just, it's obviously, it's going to keep yeah. coming up because we're always exactly. assessing and adjusting and, things. And here's the thing, so. in your first year, you, you may go up and down and back and forth 15 times and that's fine because it's your first year in business. But like once you've been in business for, I mean, I really don't even want to give you that first year with your pricing, but I'll give you a first year. But if you've been in business for, for longer than that, it's it's time to really just, you know, pick something, evaluate annually. And go from there. Yeah, absolutely. And be consistent mm-hmm. with that. Because if you're constantly changing your prices, yeah. people are going to be paying attention and seeing mm-hmm. that, especially if they're like on the kind of outskirts, just like waiting to work mm-hmm. with you and excited to do yeah. that. So, okay, everyone. Well, Shay, thank you for oh, coming on the podcast so and talking about this. I My think pleasure. pricing your services, it's such a hard thing to figure out in that entrepreneurial journey. I think it's one of the biggest barriers to jumping into entrepreneurship for a lot Mm -hmm. of people. And so hopefully this conversation was helpful. Um, And for you guys who are listening, like I just want you to know, like you're so worthy of making money to do what you love. Like you're so worthy of it. And all I want for you guys is for you to get into the world and just make things happen, do what lights you up. And guess what? You can totally get paid for it. Um, But people need to be paying you for the value that you're bringing Mm -hmm. and you are worth being profitable. Mm -hmm. Like I just, just, you are worth being profitable. You are not just worth getting by in your business. You are worth having a profitable business and you should not apologize. Exactly. And I think final piece of advice jumping off of that is don't ever, I don't care if it's day one and you charge $1, don't do anything for free ever. Mm. I've done plenty of things for free. So I'm, you know, She's learned yeah. the hard way. <laughs> but or if you are going to do something for free, it's that I'm doing this pro bono. I'm doing this for free for a reason, not mm-hmm. out, ever out of that place of desperation. Absolutely. All right, you guys. Well, thanks for being on the podcast this week Yay, with us, Thank Shay. you, Cassie. I appreciate you. Really had fun. And we will help you um, figure out all the lovely ways to find Shay. But Shay, will you tell us, like, what, what are you working on right now and what's the best oh way to gosh, connect Oh, my gosh. So many things. Um, the best way to connect with me is by shooting me an email, which is sk at shaykeats.com. You can check out my coaching packages at my website, which is shaykeats.com. You can also come over to see me on Instagram, which no surprise is at shaykeats. Um, and <laughs> you're easy to yeah, find. Yeah, easy to find. And if you were interested in any of the things we talked about um, today in regards to bookkeeping, I also work, or I am a founder and advisor at Breakaway Bookkeeping and Advising, which is a really cool organization. And you can check them out at breakawayba.com. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.